Hello and welcome aboard this island nation, the Maritime Programme. Tom McSweeney here with the programme about Ireland's maritime culture, history, tradition and development. On this edition, the appalling and life-endangering destruction of public life buoys. Vandalism and theft of the ring boy and rope has been a thorn in the side of the bodies who provide and maintain this equipment for decades. Cities, towns and urban areas are generally the locations where vandalism and theft are worst. The Chief Executive of Water Safety Ireland will tell us why proposals to deal with this have been held up on the doyle for two years. And can you imagine travelling thousands of miles to spend the winter in Ireland? Thousands of seabirds are doing just that. The open ocean might seem like a strange place for birds to want to spend the winter, but at this time of year our seas are teeming with avian life, which means that thousands of seabirds flock here to find food and shelter during the winter months. This island nation is Ireland's maritime radio programme coming to you from the studios of CRY 104FM in Yole on the East Cork coastline and bringing together through the community radio network the maritime community around Ireland, an island people, a community that's bounded by the sea around us. To contact the programme, our phone number is 0872-555-197 and email thisislandnation at gmail.com. That's phone 0872-555-197 and email thisislandnation at gmail.com. I have no hesitation in saying that I absolutely detest those who vandalise public life boys. Prosecuting and convicting such people because their actions endanger life is without question absolutely necessary. But new legislation to make it easier for Gardaí to do so, and which would provide for a five-year jail sentence for those convicted, has been held up on the doyle for two years. Hard to understand why. So the Chief Executive of Water Safety Ireland, John Leach, explains. Joining us from the headquarters of his organisation beside the River Corrib in Galway. Public rescue equipment plays a significant role in our national drowning prevention strategy. Our local and harbour authorities and many other organisations provide inexpensive ring boys in yellow boxes all around our island nation and on our inland waterways. Many of these are erected as a result of a risk assessment that Water Safety Ireland has completed. Vandalism and theft of the ring boy and rope has been a thorn in the side of these bodies who provide and maintain this equipment for decades. Many efforts have been made over the years to help deter and prevent this mindless activity. People have been prosecuted and convicted under the Larsenry Act and have received suspended sentences and some have paid the price and sat out their sentence in prison. The luckier ones end up paying money into the poor box in court on the direction of the judge. The Life-Saving Equipment Bill 2017, which was entered into the houses of the Oireachtas by Senator Keith Swanick, 
passed the first stage and has not moved any further due mainly to the Brexit situation where there is insufficient time to move these bills through the houses of their octus. When enacted, it will certainly assist the Gardaí in making prosecutions much easier and faster. This legislation would introduce a sentence of up to five years in prison or a fine of €50,000 for anyone caught vandalising such items. Despite having received the support of government at its second reading, the bill has yet to move forward to committee stage for further scrutiny. The local authorities on our island nation are spending approximately €50,000 a year to replace an estimated 1,500 ring boys that are stolen or vandalised. Dublin Council had to replace 500 ring boys in 2018 at a cost of €20,000. As the council is in charge of more than 140 ring boy locations, it is the equivalent of having to replace each ring boy at least three times a year. A number of trials have been completed over the years with GSM technology to help prevent this vandalism and theft, with varying degrees of success. However, the cost of the technology prevented a rollout to the estimated 4,000 ring boys nationwide. Cities, towns and urban areas are generally the locations where vandalism and theft are worst. So we were approached by Dublin Smart Docklands to come up with a technological solution for this ongoing problem. They managed to get some funding from the 2019 Public Service Innovation Fund application, which is Smart Tech Saving Lives. And so they are now developing a system to monitor 140 ring boys across the city using a lower network with base stations using low volume data, which requires fewer sites and consequently will be affordable to the local authorities. When the ring boy is interfered with, it will send a message and email to the relevant person who can then replace it and to Angarda Shiakona. We also intend using an accelerometer on a few key ring boys, which will indicate whether or not somebody is in the water with the ring boy. This information will go directly to the Dublin Fire Service and Angarda Shiakona. This will cut down the response time of both agencies responding to the signal. The fire service have boats permanently on the river and on Garda are located on close proximity to it. Next year, this pilot will be running under the guidance of Michael Kieran of Dublin Smart Docklands. In addition, there will be another trial running at Maynooth on the Royal Canal led by John Dooley, one of the Maynooth University lecturers. The Fingal County Council is also developing their project of six ring boy locations that will use similar technology in Hoth Harbour with the Ornelai lifeboat. Let us hope that these trials are successful and that it will help reduce vandalism and theft of this public rescue equipment. After all, a stolen ring boy can be a stolen life. So, until next month, enjoy your aquatic activities and always wear a life jacket on or near the water and use your influence to further reduce the number of drownings on our island nation. John Leach, Chief Executive of Water Safety Ireland. And as I said, anyone who vandalises public life boys known as ring boys deserves the toughest prosecution. It's surely time that bill was passed through the doyle.
Remaining on the subject of water safety, the decision of the Coast Guard to suspend the operation of its 23 boats because of safety issues with the life jackets issued to personnel came suddenly. But sources amongst volunteers have told me about equipment concerns in that organisation for some time. It was quite a major step to take to withdraw the Coast Guard boats. Apart from the statement suspending boat operations, there has been no further comment from the Coast Guard. I understand that a Health and Safety Authority report about the death of Coast Guard volunteer Kationa Lucas in 2016 at Kilkee has been completed. Square sails have mostly been associated with the great tall ships, but they are a type which has disappeared largely from modern sailing. Apart, that is, from the island where a square sail dominated its passage along the coast of Greenland when it visited there this summer, and video and photographs of the sail carrying a logo recalling the passage of the salmon between Ireland and Greenland are stunning. This was for the Salmon's Wake, the project to highlight the decline of salmon during the International Year of the Salmon. And the 56-foot Ketch Island, dating from 1826, was restored in a lengthy period project at Hagerty's Boatyard in Skibbereen, West Cork. And she took a nine-week voyage across the Atlantic to Greenland. Paddy Barry, legendary Galway hooker owner and skipper, was one of the voyage leaders. And his views on the use of the square sail changed from his original thoughts about it, as I heard from him when discussing its use. It was a wonderful voyage. It was wonderful in the company that we had on the boat. It was wonderful in the vessel herself. She behaved impeccably, and particularly during two bouts of bad weather. And, uh, and Greenland, as ever, really is green. <laughs> they gave you a great welcome there. Well, it, it was it was my fourth t- time in Greenland, uh, so that it was not for not, not not for nothing that I didn't enjoy going back. Yes, they do. They're great people. They're resourceful people. Uh, they are welcoming people. They drink too much, <laughs> but they get they get over that quickly. And if something breaks, they fix it. Wonderful people. And we went to the only river in Greenland in Capisiglit, that where there is a, where they breed salmon, where sa- where salmon naturally return and spawn and breed. Um, yes, so we did. We did pay service. Uh, we did pay service to the Irish salmon who go there to feed, fatten them up, up, and in unfortunately decreasing numbers, retur- return to home waters. She performed well, you said, in, yes. in her rig and the building, and she really showed how the square sail can work. I gather. I was sceptical of the square sail. I thought this would be a decoration for fine days only. In fact, in fact, it turned out as our best working sail anything off the wind at all and she was much easier to put up and down uh, and generally work than than the mainsail you know with her swing and gaff and boom um, square, the square sail is terrific and it's handled from the deck in this case the way the way that it's rigged it, nobody has to go up uh, so easily easily up easily down and very effective having seen the wet when she came back originally to ireland and the condition she was in yeah. I marvel at the reconstruction and the photographs that came out of Greenland of her were stunning. Yes, indeed. I was one of those who took her into the Grand Canal Basin and shoveled out the sheep shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I must say, I would have had a preference for her as she was then in workboat mode than now in yacht mode. But for the purposes intended, it is necessary that we put in bunks where there used to be sheep and all, and all that went, went with them. Uh, so she is ideally now 
I hate these cliches, fit for purpose. And the creditor builders? Liam Hagerty and those who go with you, Fuck no, Sullivan, John and all the lads down in Old Court, take a bow. They won't. They're too, they're, they're too modest and too humble to do that. But I, I credit to the boatyard. The legendary Paddy Barry and documentary photographer Kevin O'Farrell has published a book about Hagerty's Yard, a photographic record of what he describes as, sadly, the last surviving traditional wooden boat yard in Ireland. On the banks of the River Island has played a vital role in preserving traditional wooden trawlers for fishermen throughout Ireland and reviving the Hare Island lobster boats and the West Cork mackerel yaws. The launch of the book in Skibbereen this week will be followed by a travelling photographic exhibition to touring Ireland and the UK, starting in the West Cork Arts Centre in Skibbereen next April. Kevin says he's hoping that 70,000 people will eventually see this example of West Cork maritime heritage. Wintertime brings many changes on coastal waters, not least of which is that they become a bit less popular for humans, but mighty popular for seabirds, with thousands heading this way. Hard to believe? It's true, as Niall Hatch tells us now from the headquarters of Birdwatch Ireland in Kilcool County Wicklow, the voluntary organisation which looks after the protection of seabirds. The open ocean might seem like a strange place for birds to want to spend the winter, but at this time of year our seas are teeming with avian life. Irish waters are warmer than others at similar latitudes, thanks to the influence of the Gulf Stream, which means that thousands of seabirds flock here to find food and shelter during the winter months. Some of these will have travelled a considerable distance to get here. The Great Northern Diver is a case in point. This long-necked, long-bodied seabird with a sharp, dagger-like bill breeds as far away as northern Canada, where it is known as the common loon, but becomes quite numerous in Irish waters once winter arrives. It is often joined by the smaller but closely related red-throated diver, which is paler in colour and holds its head at a distinctive up-tilted angle. Confusingly, in winter plumage they lack the red throat for which they're named. A small population of this species breeds in County Donegal, but most of our winter visitors come here from Scotland, Iceland and Scandinavia. Like all five of the world's diver species, their legs are set back at the very rear of their bodies. A superb design for swimming, but utterly useless for walking on land. The sea is definitely the best place for them. At many points off the Irish coast during the winter, you might encounter what is termed a raft of dark bobbing shapes packed together, then simultaneously diving below the waves before reappearing a minute or so later. Roughly half will be black, while the other half will be dark brown. A closer view of the black ones, the males, will also reveal a patch of bright yellow on their beaks. These are common scoters, one of Ireland's most numerous sea ducks, yet a species virtually unknown to the general public. Most hail from Scandinavia, though there is a small Irish breeding population in the northwest of the country. Nearby you might spot some substantially larger, much whiter ducks, with salmon pink chests, black flanks and caps, and lime green napes. These will be drake eiders, and the all-brown females will doubtless be close by. It is these females that produce eiderdown, the most highly prized and efficient natural insulation material on Earth. This is harvested commercially in Iceland, without any harm whatsoever coming to the birds themselves. The females pluck the feathers from their own chests to line their nests, which are then collected after the breeding season. They breed in Ireland too, in smaller numbers, but become more widespread and numerous in winter. In summer, Ireland is home to four breeding species of auk. Three of these, the razorbill, the common guillemot and the black guillemot, remain around our coasts for the winter too, molting from their crisp black and white breeding plumage into much paler winter garb. They can dive to depths in excess of 100 metres on a single breath in search of fish, sometimes remaining underwater for four or five minutes at a time. These are the birds that are responsible for the numerous erroneous reports of penguins to Birdwatch Ireland each year. They look very like penguins, it's true, but are smaller and, crucially, can fly extremely well if they need to. The fourth Irish member of the auk family is the puffin, perhaps our most celebrated and popular seabird. 
You won't see any of these in Irish waters during the winter, alas. Thousands breed in colonies around our coasts in May, June and July, but come August they head westwards out to sea and spend nine months of the year bobbing around on the open Atlantic. Right now they are probably a couple of hundred miles off the Newfoundland coast, glad to be free of land. If you would like to help support Ireland's seabirds, please consider becoming a member of Birdwatch Ireland, Ireland's largest and most active conservation charity. You can find full details, as well as lots of information about the seabirds that call Ireland home, at www.birdwatchireland.ie. Niall Hatch from Birdwatch Ireland. And isn't it great that our island is such an important place for seabirds and that thousands of them flock here to breed in winter? And you know now where eiderdowns come from. The first cross-government policy developed for the islands in 23 years has been announced at a special event, as it was described by the government, on Shirkin Island in West Cork. Tornishtown Minister for Foreign Affairs and Trade, Simon Coveney, and Minister of State for the Islands, Sean Kine TD, went there to kick-start a public consultation process aimed at formulating a new national policy for the future development of the islands. It has been welcomed. But it has been pointed out that island representative groups have been making representations about the need for state support for the islands for many years. We'll be hearing more about this in future programmes. Now Justin Marr has a roundup of other maritime news from home and overseas waters. Thousands of Venetians have taken to the streets of the city to vent anger over frequent flooding and the impact of giant cruise ships. Between 2,000 and 3,000 people braved heavy rain to answer the call of environmental groups and a collective opposed to the boats. Critics say the waves cruise ships create are eroding the foundations of the lagoon city. Chanting slogans such as Venice Resist and calling for Mayor Luigi Brugnaro's resignation, the marchers also appealed for a massive project, Mose, to be discontinued. The multi-billion euro infrastructure project has been underway since 2003 to protect the city from flooding, but it has been plagued by cost overruns, corruption scandals and delays. The protest follows unprecedented flooding earlier this month that devastated the city, submerging homes, businesses and cultural treasures. The UNESCO World Heritage Site is home to some 50,000 people, while some 36 million people visit it each year. For thousands of years, the Nile River has fertilised valleys along its winding path through northeastern Africa, anchoring ancient civilizations and still serving as an important route of transport and irrigation today. But the age of its venerable waters, which stretch over 4,225 miles, has been debated, with one group of experts claiming the river was born around 6 million years ago, when a drainage system changed course, while another claims the river is five times older than that. A new study finds evidence that supports the latter theory. The Nile River may have emerged around 30 million years ago, driven by the motion of the Earth's mantle, the thick layer of rock between the Earth's core and its crust, a group of researchers reported in the journal Nature Geoscience. The Nile River is thought to have formed at the same time as the Ethiopian highlands, said lead author Claudio Facena, a professor at the Jackson School of Geosciences at the University of Texas. The Ethiopian highlands is where one of the Nile River's major tributaries, or branches, called the Blue Nile, begins. The Blue Nile brings in the majority of the Nile River's water, and most of the sediments in it, joining with the river's other tributary, the White Nile, in Sudan, before emptying out into the Mediterranean Sea. 
Finally, the prognosis for Arctic ice in a warming world is grim. A new study offers a dire warning that even the last ice area, the icy zone extending more than 1,200 miles from Greenland's northern coast to the western part of the Canadian Arctic archipelago, could disappear. Climate models predict that most of the ice outside of the last ice area could vanish for good within the next few decades, leaving the last ice area as the sole refuge for marine life that depends on ice, such as seals, polar bears and algae, and even this area could disappear. The enduring ice here is at least five years old, older than in neighbouring regions, and measures about 13 feet thick. However, this older, more robust sea ice is not as stable as once thought, and it's vanishing much faster than expected. In fact, the last ice area is disappearing about twice as rapidly as the Arctic's younger, thinner sea ice, researchers reported in this new study from the University of Toronto. According to it, by the year 2060, the Arctic will be ice-free, which scientists regard as an area of perennial ice less than 1 million square kilometers, and much of that ice will be in the last ice area which itself is coming under threat. We've been highlighting on the programme the involvement of women in the seafood industry through the series of interviews recorded by Bordis Giwara, the state's seafood agency. Siobhan Faulkner is from Clotterhead in County Louth and says that the industry is male-dominated and would benefit from the involvement and contribution of women. We have to keep our environment clean, we have to keep plastics out of it, you know, we have to keep litter out of it because if we want to maintain a healthy stock to fish, then we have to take care of it. It's the same as a farmer takes care of its land, we have to take care of our environment. I'm Siobhan Faulkner and I come from the coastal village of Clarehead in County Louth and I'm involved in the fishing sector with my husband Barry and with my son. My son has two razor boats and my husband and myself have three fishing trawlers. Going forward our challenges are more about sustainability and having a quota that is viable to work. I would like to see it more inclusive of more of the people who are involved in fishing. At the moment, the people who are talking and the people who are at the heads of tables and the people who are sitting around, it's very male-dominated. And I do think that a female perspective is more inclusive to, rather than just a business side, to a whole community side of it. And I would like to see the community side of fishing and all the good work that fishermen do through net recycling and the fishing for litter and the taking care of their environment. I would like to see that more to the forefront. Most people who have fishing boats are going to be families who have fished for generation after generation after generation. And they will live in small communities and fishing will have been a very, very big part of that community. We forget, because we live with it, how special it is and it really is a very special industry there's very few in other industries that are like this but I believe that the industry has a future and it has a bright future but I think we have to find a way to get the industry out there that people see it in a more positive light and they don't see it as something that is taking but actually see it as something that is giving. Mm -hmm. 
Siobhan Faulkner from the fishing community of Clarehead in County Louth. And another lady involved in the maritime sphere has news for us. In our last edition, I talked to Lucy Hunt from Sea Synergy in Waterville County, Kerry, about her project with Ireland's world sailor Damien Foxhall, going to the Antarctic where they will be remembering the Irishman who discovered that icy continent, Edward Bransfield. Lucy was also the Environment and Education Officer for the Volvo Ocean Yacht Race around the world, where she ran a project for schoolchildren, which is now being expanded under the new organisers of the next Volvo race, as she's told me. Yeah, it's really exciting. Um, the next race is going to be in 2021, but we're working with the Ocean Race, as it's called now, um, building out their education program again. Um, we had a primary school program and now we're moving into a secondary school program, but all the resources are available for teachers and educators on learning.theoceanrace.com. Lucy Hun from Sea Synergy in Waterfield County Kerry and an interesting project for secondary schools which can be followed about the oceans and the maritime sphere. And we'll have more about Edward Bransfield in future programmes. And so we end this edition of This Island Nation produced at CRY 104FM Yall on the East Cork coastline with technical supervision by Justin Marr and broadcast on community radio stations around Ireland in Dublin on Lear FM, Dublin City FM, Liffey Sound and Dublin South on Dundalk FM, Athlone Community Radio in Galway on Connemara Community Radio and Kinvara FM on Radio Corka Boschkeen in Clare, Kilkenny City Radio, West Limerick 102 FM, in Mayo on Community Radio Castle Bar and Eris FM in Belbullet, on Cork City Community Radio, West Cork FM and Community Radio Bear Island. And there are podcasts on iTunes, Mixcloud, Soundcloud and Spotify and the marinetimes.ie. Wherever you've been listening, thank you for being part of the Maritime Community on Community Radio. The programme email address is thisislandnation at gmail.com and you can contact us by phone and text to 0872 555 197. That's email thisislandnation at gmail.com, phone or text 0872 555 197. Until our next programme, from me, Tom McSweeney, the usual wish of fair sailing. <laughs>